New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect. Well, greetings and uh, welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. It's great to be back. Uh, Today, we are, of course, in lockdown across the country. Uh, Craig Young, thanks for joining me. Yeah, kia ora. Thank you, Paul. Now, how are you? How are you doing uh, there? You're in, oh, across town in Auckland, like me. Yeah, I'm up the Hibiscus Coast in uh, Silverdale, and um, well, at least today the weather's a bit better. But uh, not that I've been outside very much. <laughs> I think uh, lockdown this time we just sort of kept working, so haven't had much chance to just take a break yet. Yeah, it, tend, it tends to uh, things kind of tend to happen pretty, uh, pretty, pretty quickly, and uh, certainly with this one, there wasn't a, a whole lot of chance to uh, to think about it or to uh, to prepare. Well, today there's a, a whole bunch that I'm sort of keen to delve into. Uh, we've got some stats through from um, from Chorus around what's actually happening on our uh, networks. We want to delve into. Uh, news from uh, from the the land of our telecommunications uh, providers there, uh, Commerce Commission, Spark. Um, the the topic of working from home comes up again, and and um, you know there's been ongoing research uh, on on that area and and what we should expect, what's uh, what's working, and so on. Um, and then there's there's a few other uh, bits of news as well, and even uh, even been uh, been playing around with a bit of new a uh, bit of new technology, a folding uh, a folding phone from Samsung. The the Galaxy Z Flip Three and the Z Fold Three uh, have uh, have been announced into the market, and so I've been having a little bit of a uh, a look there. Um, while we wait for them to uh, to be released um, publicly, uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's jump straight in, um, Craig, with just a quick intro on yourself because uh, yeah, we want everyone to know who they're uh, who they're hearing from today. Yeah, cool. Uh, Tanakwe, I'm Craig Young. I'm the CEO of Two Ends, the Technology Users Association, and we can delve into that a little bit more. Um, we're uh, we've been around 35 years. Many people have been in the perhaps in the telecommunications area would, would know of us um, and we often pop up in the media sometimes. But I've been doing this job for oh nearly seven years now and uh, I love it. It's, it's a great job. I get to talk to people like yourself about things that I know very little about. <laughs> well, that, that's not quite right. I am quite a generalist and have got a long, you know, as you can see, um, I'm getting a bit older and uh, maybe not wiser, but I have been in the IT and telco industry all for longer than I want to think, but it's somewhere over 20 years. Um, I trained as an accountant, but that's for, I, I'm going to annoy all the accountants and say it's a very it's very boring being an accountant and much more interesting being in technology. <laughs> well, what I love about technology, Craig, is it just keeps moving and it moves fast and uh, it is certainly never, never boring. Um and uh, I once, uh, once a long time ago, um, in my part way through my schooling, thought I wanted to be an accountant too. But uh, I somewhere along the way lost uh, lost that interest and uh, discovered technology. Um, so first, I wanted to delve into uh, to what we've heard from Chorus. They've sent through a bit of information. Uh, we're we're Thursday now. They were saying that uh, there was when, Wednesday. Um, uh, Wednesday evening traffic uh, 
on their networks saw um, a record peak through 3.6 uh, terabits per second. Uh, they said it was, or was that Tuesday nights actually? Um, possibly it was. It was. Yeah. Yep. Um, and an uplift of 27% on Monday night's uh, traffic. So, uh, you know, this is this is the reality of uh, of lockdown. The, the whole world, um, well, the, the whole country at least, uh, have got really no choice other than to be... Uh, to be in in their homes, and uh, what do you do when you're at home? Well, a lot of us go online. That seems to yeah. be the message there. Yeah, yeah, and and we saw this last year. You know, when we first went into lockdown uh, last year, and we 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 looked at it, and we saw these big numbers come through. And you know, I think Kiwis should be incredibly thankful and proud of the fact that you know there was some very good decisions made back in the 2000s about investing in our broadband infrastructure. You know, so like. Um, our mobile networks, um, and but also our fixed networks, and the number of people of us, you know, that, that have taken up fibre in our houses. I mean, who who would have thought ten years ago you'd have a gig? I mean, I've got a gig into my house, and um, I wouldn't go back now. I wouldn't go back to anything less, only because I know that it's there and it's reliable and it and it works. And we we couldn't have done any of this working at home if we hadn't had decent broadband. Now, we should just say that's great if you live in places like we do in urban Auckland uh, and and any urban centre around the country, but there are parts of our country where connectivity is not that great or that uh, for, you know, for socioeconomic reasons, people don't have connectivity. So we shouldn't. So on the one hand, I want to say we should be pleased and proud. The other, I think we've still got quite a bit of work to do. Yeah, absolutely. There, there'll always be, uh, there'll always be, you know, more that more that can be done. Um, yeah. yeah, I've been I've been speaking about this, you know, I guess you know a number of years um, that I've been, you know, talking about this futurist mindset and futurist thinking, and and certainly, you know, speaking at Ingram Micros, uh, their uh, showcase event in um, Auckland, uh, Hamilton, and uh, and in Tauranga recently, and uh, yeah, that was that was certainly one of the things that uh, that I call out that we have to be very thankful of uh, here in New Zealand is that futurist um, thinking that was you know applied looking back um, you know a, a decade or so um, back to when that decision was uh, was made to really invest. In our broadband infrastructure, and of course, yeah. we love to compare ourselves to uh, uh, to the Australians, and can certainly say we're uh, we're punching uh, well above our weight on uh, on this one compared to where they've come out. So, uh, um, yeah, some, something to appreciate. Uh, the the recent stats that came through from um, uh, on the ultrafast broadband initiative says that 85 percent, I think, of uh, population now. Um, you know, has that uh, fibre running past their uh, their homes, and we know we see a, a higher and higher uptake um, of actually you know connecting up to it. So very helpful, and of course we've got the the four G, five G, and um, even some pretty good satellites starting to uh, starting yeah. to uh, serve New Zealand as well, haven't we, Craig? We do, we do, and I think um, you know we've been in contact with Starlink, and uh, certainly they want to get in, they want to give us a bit of an update of where they're up to, um, but they're not the only um, satellite providers that are upping their game. There's a number of them coming into New Zealand, and there's a number of every week there's something different happening. But these uh, Starlink is an example of what's called low Earth orbit, so they're 
They're not as high in the sky and um, they don't stay still. That's the other interesting thing. If you if you look at a, you know, if you think about a satellite installation on a house or anywhere, you think of a dish, your sky dish points in a certain direction and it stays still, it doesn't move. But these low Earth orbit ones, the Starlink ones, they're constant. You don't see it necessarily, but they're constantly moving as the satellites come across the sky. So um, it's a fascinating piece of technology, and, and we'll see more of it as it comes through this year. They certainly have a really you know, important part to play in providing coverage where people can't get other forms. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. All no, those sorts of things coming through, yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that no, yeah, the, the low-Earth orbit satellites uh, really you know, open things up. I think... Um, uh, Pretty large chunk of the South Island now is is covered, and they're expecting to be covering you know the the whole country. Uh, you know, I think in the in the months ahead, sort of by by early into twenty twenty two, not necessarily as reliable as a fixed connection. There's a few variances, um, but uh, yeah, what a what a cool uh, what a cool um, you know step forward. I think the world has made from a connectivity you know perspective. Um, you know, to have have that becoming available. And uh, you know it all just increases the the competition and yeah. the options available, and and uh, you know it, it makes it easier. Um, there's there's also been the um, uh, the Morai program that has uh, you know been been put in place to get broadband out there as well. Um, I'm I'm not quite sure how that uh, plays out in uh, in lockdown. Uh, I guess that will vary from location to location. A um, couple of other stats that came through, they were saying, uh, Chorus was saying um, more than 26 petabytes of data uh, transported across their, uh, their, their network um, on Wednesday. So uh, that was a new... A new record, um, and uh, I think you you were pointing out to me the uh, the reference that that they used that was the equivalent of one thousand years um, of a single Netflix HD uh, video stream. Um, yep. So yeah, a lot of a lot of content um, really you know going going across the networks, and yeah, this this is the sort of thing where that that future investment was made. Um, similar to when we talk about 5G, I think, where we don't necessarily know just yet exactly how the extra, you know, bandwidth um, that, that, you know, becomes available over time will get utilised. But I think we've learned that uh, probably for quite a few years to come, we're going to, you know, find good uh, good uses of any extra bandwidth that becomes available uh, yeah. to us. I always remember, Mark, my first year at university, which is a long time ago, in the 1980s, a marketing lecturer talked about, you know, it's not enough to build the best mousetrap or a better mousetrap. You've got to solve a problem. Um, Technology sort of seems to turn that on its head, doesn't it? It's like you get, um, who knew, for example, when the iPhone came out, you needed that sort of device in your hand. And now everybody has a smartphone, you know. So technology sort of, you're right. We we know that if you provide the tools and the infrastructure, smart people, uh, wherever they are, including New Zealand, will come along and find ways to use those smart resources to improve um, not just the business or economy in New Zealand, but in people's lives as well. You talked about the Marai program. You know, just the 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 benefit. That will come through by having those particularly rural marae connected 
um, and the uplift that that will provide, not just to um, you know education, all those sorts of things, but but to sharing of their tikanga, uh, having having their dispersed um, uh, you know whānau, being able to to connect back to their to their um, marae. There's there's all these sorts of really clever things that get done. I mean, the other thing is, uh, Paul, we're doing this live on a video stream you know who would have thought 10 years ago i can't i can remember video conferencing being clunky being hard being awful and and having to have particular devices and now with the improvements in consumer technology and with um connectivity we can do things like this we can stay in touch i have a i have a son i have two two sons one is in northern ireland in belfast we last saw him on the 1st of February 2020, before we flew back, we haven't been able to get over there. He hasn't been able to come here, but we've been able to keep in contact because of these tools. So you're right. We will find ways to use these things. Definitely, definitely. And look, I guess what, you know, what I like to, uh, in, you know, encourage is that you know, we should be, you know, as Kiwis continuing to look out for what are the opportunities? Where, where is the, where is, uh, you know, what are the, Where's the world going with the new technologies and how can we leverage these things? Because if we get it right, uh, then it can really play into, a, you know, a great future for New Zealand. And, you know, the the issues and so on that we that we have as a uh, as a country, whether it's, you know, poverty and housing and, uh, you know, equality challenges, um, you know, if we utilise technology well, um, we put ourselves in a much better position to actually solve those uh, those challenges. Anyway, That's enough wonderful. of a rant from me. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on to uh, on to New Zealand COVID tracer. Um, oh, one, yes. thing, one thing here that um, I really appreciate is that we've been seeing from the Ministry of Health, uh, you know, real transparency around the COVID tracer app. When it first came out, I've got to say I wasn't. You know, there were there were a bunch of things I wasn't super impressed with. Um, but what I really love is that they've, um, you know, they've followed a good approach, which is that um, continuous improvement and uh, just kept building out the uh, the app. We've got um, the stats in from uh, that you can anyone can go and download. There's a, a CSV there uh, file there um, with with the kind of the key high level data, I suppose, that's uh, updated on a daily basis. Um, we saw on, uh, was it Tuesday, uh, there were, we're up to 1.58 million uh, active devices with the uh, the Bluetooth um, element there, um, you know, working away in the background. And, uh, you know, that's obviously a part of the contact tracing uh, mechanism. Uh, it's quite different to the check-ins. Um, the check-in side, I think, has been, Overall, has been pretty, pretty disappointing in terms of my um, following of it for uh, you know for quite some time. Um, we did sort of hit a peak there on um, uh, on tu- on Tuesday, uh, where there were seven hundred and fifty eight thousand uh, scans. Um, but our our typical sort of day over the past. Uh, Past month was in the uh, well, sometimes as low as four hundred and forty thousand, um, and um, yeah, up to about six hundred and fifty thousand um, scans a day. So, with those sort of numbers, you know that uh, 
the bulk of us haven't actually been super yeah. disciplined about scanning in. Um, and you know, I would, I would, um, you know, count, count myself amongst those that, you know, didn't scan every single time. I'm probably not as religious about that as I as I could have been. Um, and uh, that that's you know probably un, unhelpful. So um, and yeah, we have talked about it a little bit, but uh, yeah, we probably needed a few more reminders on uh, on that front. I, I thought the really interesting one was the Bluetooth numbers haven't shifted that much, which I think means that they've been pretty active, that people have turned it on. And I was listening to a, a, a an interview this morning with uh, with the um, owner of the Lawrenson Group, who are the owners of Bar 101, talking about how many, it's one of those places of interest. And he did make the comment, you know, that most of the people that have, would have been in the bar on Friday night because the student bar were Gen Z, and they typically are tech savvy, so they would have had their Bluetooth turned on. So, you know, that is um, one of those positive steps. I thought the other fascinating thing was the number of manual entries in the system on Tuesday. So that went from, I think, something like 25,000 on Monday to 250,000 manual entries on Tuesday while everybody rushed to fill in the gaps that they hadn't scanned on. So, um, you know, that's... That's another good thing as well, that people thought, oh, right, I do actually need to go back and get that information in there because that's, that's you know, one of the big tools in fighting this um, particular variant of COVID, yeah, is having that those entries in there. Um, I'm with you. I'm not very good at scanning. I do it when I remember. And we did have a speaker at last week's Tech Users Day. We had a big conference last Tuesday, Tuesday of last week, and uh, Dr. Lloyd McCann, who's from Mercy Radiology, he's the, the clinical director or head of medicine and also their CEO, very smart man, looking at the future of, of technology in medicine. He has some amazing stuff that he's talking about. But he was pretty adamant reminding people to scan, 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 and uh, use the app, yeah. Yeah, yep, I and and I agree. Um, yeah, I, but I looked at my stats and it had been had sort of you know dropped off um, compared to the number of scans that I was doing a few months ago. So yeah, the gamification element on it I think is quite good, where it, it tells you how many you know how many days out of the last um, yeah. I think it's out of the last fourteen that you've uh, you've scanned. I like that. I think that's smart. Uh, and you know, just you know, one of the examples of where they've just improved that uh, uh, app over time. Um, but yeah, now we're now we're in lockdown. There's. Uh, um, I wonder. Talking about gamification, yeah. maybe we should uh, ask the Pokemon Go people how to up the gamification in the COVID app. <laughs> Good idea. Just, Good idea. Just. <laughs> um. All right. Now, yeah, as long as you're uh, staying inside right now. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe a, just a quick update on um, on, on Two Ants, Craig. You mentioned sure. the, uh, the the conference, which was uh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, Lloyd, am amongst the other speakers, I mean, every everyone was great. I enjoyed uh, some of the panel discussions. Um, there just seemed to be a lot, a lot of content sort of, you know, packed in quite well. There were no sort of hour-long uh, talks or anything that were, you know, they were they were short, uh, punchy. Um, but what's happening with two hands? I, you know, I think last time we we chatted, it was uh, Telecommunications Users Association of New Zealand. Um, what's what's happened? 
Yeah, well, I mean, for 35 years, that's who we've been, the telecommunications, because the issues that were in that space were significant and needed, you know, real focus. And we just looked at it a couple of, you know, a good 18 months ago and thought, do you know what? No one really calls themselves a telco anymore. If you think of Spark or um, Vodafone, if you talk to them, they're talking about being full service providers. Look at look at Spark. They're a, um, you know, connectivity, mobility. Uh, they've got their Geni. Well, they did have the Geni brand. That's now digital services. They've got uh, TV. You know, we're just seeing this whole convergence of all of these technologies and, and there's no, and, and providers are broadening their, you know, perspectives. You think of um, people like NZME, for example. I mean, they're doing, they're not just print anymore, they're radio, they're, they're actually digital audio, if you really want to think about it. We did a podcast a couple of weeks ago on the future of radio because um, radio is not just instant anymore. People listen to things afterwards, like this podcast, for example. Um, and so they do video as well. So you've got this emergence of uh, this melting pot of technology. And so we just thought, you know what? There isn't a users association for technology. There's lots of associations that represent the technology industry, but not the users. We're we're well-placed. We've got a big history. So why don't we just step up and, um, and, and meet the market where it's about that convergence? And um, it's... That's why we all we did was change the T from telecommunications to technology, um, and that's where we're playing. And you know, it's it's um, it's shown through the conference last week, which we called Tech Users Day, which was a relaunch of the old Telco Users Day. And I think you're right; we packed it jam packed. I like conferences where you don't let people speak for too long, and you know, you then you get their message nice and quick. Um, and I also like running uh, conferences where you get to, as you said, you get to actually meet the people that you're sitting with and, and dump your ideas and thoughts. We've always done that with our with our rural event. We've always asked people their thoughts and we've always written it up. And so that's the sort of approach we take. Um, and the beauty, we, we actually, um, at the beginning of the year, I interviewed across video 27 CIOs across our membership and across a few other companies and asked them what their issues were. And not only, not really, none of them really came up with telecommunications in its own space. A little bit around 5G, you know, there's still that. And and um, so, so we sort of thought, well, we need to be speaking into that. Uh, as well as holding on to what we've done before. So connectivity is still really important to us, but developing New Zealand as a digital capable and, and uh, nation is where we we uh, really believe we can have some impact. Love it, love it. Oh, it's uh, that's that's good. Um, now on to uh, on to Spark. They've released um, their latest. Uh, I guess financial figures and so on. What were the um, highlights from your uh, your perspective there, Craig? What? Um, yeah, I think what, what stood out. Just a cu- yeah, a couple of things. Um, one of them was, you know, their their profit was pretty decent. It hasn't really gone backwards at all. They've done very well. They have. Um, yeah, they continue to do, do you know, as as um, 
as they go. Um, a couple of things, I think. The, one of them was around they were losing share in the fibre broadband market, so they're actually their connections when it comes to broadband was going backwards a little bit. So obviously the market is pretty competitive and people are, you know, are having a crack. Um, I still don't think it's uh, there's enough movement, enough switching. Um, and, uh, you know, we can talk about that as well when it comes a little bit later. But um, the other thing was uh, probably two other things. The first of all was they lost a significant revenue and particularly profit on mobile roaming. This is a particular bugbear of mine. I do not think we should be paying roaming to go to Australia. I think the two markets are close enough that we should not be paying roaming. Um, and, and roaming, quite honestly, if you look back at its history, was set up because telcos in different countries could charge each other huge whacks of money, bump their revenue up um, on both sides of the of, of the ledger. And in Europe, they banned roaming charges across the EU, which is coming back to um, an interesting thing, Paul. I don't know if you know, I don't know if you picked this up, but uh, one of the impacts of Brexit is that two of the biggest telcos in the UK are re implementing roaming charges into Europe. So uh, consumers in U the UK will soon be roaming, will soon be going to the uh, Europe and paying roaming charges, which they hadn't been for a couple of years, um, which is a step backwards in my mind. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's. I mean, yeah, I guess they were, they were forced uh, not to, and yep. uh, now that they've got that uh, that freedom, they're uh, they're taking advantage of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how uh, how that plays out. I think um, two degrees have been doing, um, you know, having having a bit of a play around with um, uh, no roaming charges to yeah. uh, to Australia. Um, so uh, you know, pat on the back to uh, to two degrees there. Um, I can't recall having heard that from anyone else. Certainly, roaming's got a whole lot uh, better these days than it uh, than it used to be uh, once once upon a time. Um, but it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's still, um, um, one of those things when you travel, but, uh, I guess not, not a, not yeah. going to be a, a big topic, uh, well, probably look, for, for a little while. No, we're not traveling at the moment, but I do remember a couple of years ago, um, having a pretty decent, you know, um, roaming rate into the UK. It wasn't too bad, but as soon as I jumped on a plane and went to Barcelona, my roaming rate went through the roof. So, you know, you have to be really quite aware of what the rates are and what you're doing. You're right about two degrees on their top end business plans. You get it for free. Um, but I'm sort of of the mind now of saying to these providers, you've lost that revenue. So it's already baked into your accounts now. Whip it out and never bring it back again. That would be my line to them. I don't think they'll listen to me, but I'll try um, you know, and say that too. Because once we start travelling again, I don't want to be paying for roaming. So anyway, look, that 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 the other thing. One of us want to pay for anything, Craig. <laughs> yeah, we want it all right. for free. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm 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 commercially aware enough to know that you've got to pay for some things. <laughs> the other thing that came out of the Spark one was the fixed wireless, or the uh, you know. So when you um, take a wireless modem which is connecting to the 4G or possibly 5G network uh, instead of going through copper or fibre, 
And I did see that. I thought it was a bit of a stretch target. They wanted to do 40,000 connections last year onto fixed wireless, and they only got about 19,000. Look, in my mind, there's nothing wrong with fixed wireless as a provision of it, as a service. I think consumers, though, need to choose what works for them. And in some cases, fixed to wire for uh, those sort of wireless type services. Where if you're a flatter and you don't want anyone else to use your broadband, it's a great solution. Um, particularly if you're a student and you're moving around flats, for example, or you're an older person with a lower data cap, you know, it's fine. It's it's a good service. There's no way my house could cope with uh, fixed to wireless, um, a, a fixed wireless solution. We have to be on the fastest fibre you can be. We do a lot of, my, my wife's a counsellor in lockdown. She's doing a lot of Zoom counselling. She cannot afford to have a connection that breaks up, slows down or anything. It's got to be rock solid. Yeah, yep, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my my personal feeling is if you can possibly uh, use fibre, then you should. It's, uh, it's, you know, pretty easy to get connected up. Um, but I totally understand why, um, you know why our providers would uh, would be wanting to uh, sell fixed the fixed wireless um, yeah. you know access into uh, into any opportunities that they uh, that they get um, because they're not putting uh, money into chorus pocket uh, you know it goes back into uh, uh, into their business and 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 their networks and obviously there's a level of balance there there's only so much um, uh, you know, band- bandwidth available um, for uh, running across the mobile networks, but uh, mm. you know that that certainly has uh, has increased with uh, with five G. And um, yeah, I think now th- there was another uh, note that we had in our uh, in our agenda, which was around the um, Commerce Commission sort of letter to yeah. telcos, and and that kind of crosses into the space, doesn't it? it? Because uh, um, it all comes down to how you how you sell it, and uh, you know I, I think we've we've probably had some discussions in the past um, uh, around the challenges of how you sell that, and, and I'm sure. Um, you know when you've when you've got a whole team of people that sit on the phone uh, to uh, to customers, it's probably reasonably hard to get a, a perfectly consistent message uh, across the board. Um, particularly if you incentivise them to uh, uh, to be selling um, the the fixed wireless um, products. Can you run us through what um, you know what that yeah. communication has been from the Commerce Commission? Yeah, look, the commission was given extra powers in 2018 when the Act was changed to look at retail service quality. I mean, we advocated quite hard that they were given some extra powers because they that's the, the right body to look at these sorts of things. And we've had some anecdotal evidence, particularly over the last year, that, you know, fixed-wireless uh, fixed solutions were being sold necessarily to people who didn't necessarily understand what they were getting um, or it was being sent out. There's this inertia selling process where, you might get sent a modem and said, plug it in, it's your new service, without even having asked for it, and then not understanding what that service is. And as I said, you know, there is a real place for that service, but it's not always the right one that you need. So in this, what's happening now with the fibre rollout is unlike Australia, we do not have a forced migration. In other words, if you have a copper-based landline service, there is no forced migration of that. You do not have to move off that unless 
There is so many people in your area that have taken fibre, and so there's very few copper connections left. Then Chorus can turn around and say to you, look, we need to take that copper service away. You need to look at an alternative. Um, and so they're just starting to get into that uh, space. And so what's been happening is that some of the providers have been using that as an excuse. Uh, that's my word, not anyone else's, to push their alternative rather than other alternatives. So not always giving the, the user the full information um, based on what's available. And so the commission has picked up from people like ourselves, Consumer New Zealand, uh, budgeting services, con uh, Citizens Advice Bureau, that this sort of thing's been happening. And uh, the commission has written to the industry to say, look, this just isn't good enough. Um, there are some things that we think you need to do around how you market these services. Uh, for us, that's great because we've actually been talking about this uh, just quietly in the background, but we've actually done our own independent research, um, which we're just about to finalise, but it's certainly around that complexity of services. And we've got some ideas around how that might um, you know, be easier for uh, people to understand. And, and so I think there's a bit of work that needs to be done by the industry, by people like ourselves, by the commission together, uh, around, well, how do you explain to people the different types of services, where they should they can be used and what they're most uh, viable for? So because what we don't want to do is reduce competition. You talked about it before. <coughs> fixed wireless is a good competitor to certain fixed solutions, um, and it forces the fixed providers like Chorus, Enable, UFF, to continue to develop their networks and not sit still because the mobile networks aren't sitting still. So it's really important that that's there. Um, yeah, so that's sort of where it's come to. And the commission has said, well, here are some things we think you should do. And by the end of the month, everyone has to come back and tell them what they think. Um, our sense as the user association is that we pretty much agree with the commission. I haven't told them that yet. Um, and uh, here are some other ideas that you can think about. Because uh, our research, we, we actually had independent researcher look around the world at things that have been done elsewhere. Um, I don't yeah. know if you remember, but complexity in telecommunications marketing is not something new. <laughs> There's a very famous CEO of Telecom that talked about, at a conference, about how telcos had used complexity and confusopoly, I think was a word that we made up, <laughs> market services. So, yeah. Yeah, um, it it is pleasing to know, and I haven't I haven't um, looked at a, a sort of breakdown for Spark, but um, despite their um, you know profit dropping by nine percent, they they still had a net profit three hundred eighty four million. Um, so that you know there's still money to be made um, in in the world of of telecommunications, and but as you say, um, our telecommunications companies these days are, are much more. Yeah. Um, than than just providing you know phone and and internet services. There's uh, you know there, there's a broader range of of technology offerings that are really part of uh, of what they deliver. Uh, we've certainly seen uh, a lot of that going on from uh, Vodafone as as well as they uh, um, you know start uh, building up what they offer into uh, into areas of the market that are you know quite different than what we would have seen from them um, you know just a few years a few years ago. Um, so now on to um, on to uh, you know a couple of other topics 
that we wanted to uh, we wanted to try and get covered as well. Um, this whole working from home thing there uh, there just seems to have been really over, over you know particularly during COVID um, because it's 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 forced everyone to see what working from home really looks like. Uh, ongoing discussion across really a, you know a broad range of media. Uh, different companies that have, uh, you know, I think we we were quite surprised actually. I certainly was when uh, we started hearing about the uh, the COVID uh, lockdown and working from home scenarios. And I think it was maybe Google that sort of led the charge last year and was saying, hey, you know, everyone will be able to work from home until uh, mid-2021. And you know that that came through re- reasonably quickly during our our lockdown here, anyway. Um, but we see that continuing. We see uh, really a lot of a lot of discussion around working working from home, um, especially you know on the benefits sort of side. I see uh, um, you know comments around uh, Mark uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, talking about how he really enjoys uh, working from from home, um, he had an internal memo to uh, to the Facebook team that uh, in, ended up getting to uh, the Wall Street Journal, um, and he announced plans to uh, uh, in- increase the uh, flexibility for um, employees and saying that he uh, would work from home for you know at least uh, at least half the year. Obviously, there's a there's a variance from you know one organisation to another. What is and isn't possible. Uh, we have a lot of small businesses uh, in New Zealand. Uh, we we also you know have this broadband that we've talked about. That uh, you know if you are working able to work from home, well, do you need to be in a big city anymore? That uh, you know that changes things. We've got software developers uh, and and people in all sorts of um, you know roles that are closely tied to. Uh, to technology, especially, um, but across other fields, uh, where where folks work for companies that have no base at all uh, in New Zealand, yeah. um, and they're they're sitting wherever they happen to to choose, and uh, they can they can choose a big town or a small town um, or wherever they like, as long as they've got some broadband. And um, well, broadband's uh, it's uh, it's pretty accessible now, so. Um, yeah. yeah, really, really interesting to see these uh, these moves. Um, I think Apple have had a bit of a, a bit of flack from people that have sort of saying, "Well, we might not go back to 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 work uh, with with Apple um, because uh, you know they they're uh, they're wanting to to see people a little bit more." Um, uh, but it, yeah, it's it's actually it, you know it's quite complicated within you know within my own firm. Um, you know, we generally need to be in a position to uh, you know pop out and, um, and and visit customers in in person from time to time. You don't quite know what any any day is going to uh, going to look like, mm-hmm. and so um, you know we we've probably been on the more more cautious uh, end around um, the working from home. But that's partly because of the way our our teams are kind of blended. Um, and and that um, you know our teams have sort of a fair variety of work that they do. So um, if we just had a pure call center team, then um, yeah, that would be that would be very different. But um, you know, but but we don't. Uh, and so how how is your working sort of situation played out, Craig? Yeah, up, well, up until to, well, you know the last couple yeah, of days, you don't have of... too much choice. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I've been um, reasonably uh, flexible anyway, um, and and my team is all remote uh, just because of the way we work. But I have, I do have a base in the city, and uh, which I can and go to, and I think that's really where we're going to go to is that you know you're going to have a perhaps a base that you can go to two to three times a week if you need to, um, and then be at home. I I think the other thing is in New Zealand we sort of had to quickly get ourselves up to gear last year in the first lockdown and globally we didn't spend that long and I know people felt it was you know we had we lived in lockdown but you know if you've got any connection to anyone around the rest of the world you'll know that people have not been in the office my son hasn't been in the office since February last year I was talking to Andy Berner at Zero in uh, Denver Colorado he hasn't been in the office for 500 days um, and so they're using tools of collaboration, et cetera. Um, I think Google's saying 60% will return part-time. Um, I see Mary's made a comment from Timely. They have always been sort of dispersed, working from home, um, and you build tools that enable you to collaborate, which is, again, where technology comes in. But I think we'll get to this hybrid. I think the hybrid model will will will, will slowly build, and you'll find people you know, organisations will work through those cultural issues. And again, it comes, you know, we did this report at the beginning of the year, we talked to 27 CIOs and they said this, developing the right way to work from home around, um, and it's not just the technology, the cybersecurity, et cetera, but it's the culture, how you do things and how you collaborate. Um, and you're right, some businesses like yours or some others, working from home may not be the right way to go. You know, it might be that you need to go in and you need to be in a group. Um, and then there will, be, there will be the extroverts amongst us, because I don't think Zuckerberg is an extrovert, um, but I think the extroverts among, amongst us need people, so we'll be going in. Um, yeah, and, and, I, and right. I think there, there, there's an element there where um, some roles and some organisations are going to have to go through a level of sort of a metamorphosis to, you know, to land in a place where, um, you know, the the working from home, um, you know, is 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 able to have an increased, um, you know, relevance, and then there'll be those that are, you know, very much in person type. Uh, you know, type things um, yeah. that you know our, our supermarkets, for instance, um, you know, unless we were fully, you know, robotic in our supermarkets, which you know we know um, there, there, there's a you know there's a there's a huge amount of uh, potential uh, in those regards in the in the years ahead. Um, but while we're not in that position, and while people actually like dealing with people, um, you know, I. I don't. I don't see there being an immediate uh, change in those 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 sorts of in-person no. roles. I think the other interesting thing, Paul. I don't know. You know, you're talking about. It doesn't matter where in the world you are. You can perhaps work for somebody else. I've got a young person in one of our future leaders programs in Christchurch. He's leading. He's leaving a, a local organisation and working for an Australian software company. Changing his working hours a little bit. He's a bit of a gamer, so it probably does probably works for him to start later and finish later. Um, but I don't know if you heard, but uh, I think it was Google. I'm not sure they released it publicly or it was found by somebody. They've got they've given their people a tool that tells them what they'll be paid if they live in different cities. So for doing the same job, if you decide to move, I don't know, say from San Francisco, which is one of the most expensive places in 
US to work to somewhere like Franklin, Tennessee, um, which isn't one of the most expensive places to live, your salary will drop commensurately, which um, has some very interesting cultural uh, outcomes, I think, for organisations that they'll need to work through. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. I was talking to somebody uh, recently who had um, they'd chosen to move from Sydney to Melbourne, uh, I believe, and they had yet to tell their employer that they'd moved. <laughs> um, so um, the you know the work they were doing is remote. The employer doesn't know, um, but the comment was that there's a different pay structure. Uh, you know, in a different Australian state. And, um, yeah, they, they'll have to fess up at some point. So, um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some there's some interesting uh, aspects yeah. there. So, um, I, look, I, I'm really, you know, curious to see how these things uh, will evolve, but I think the, uh, you know, the normal has changed. And certainly, you know, last year we had one team member um, who was, you know, New Zealand, Auckland-based, and uh, decided to uh, that they wanted to uh, move back to Australia, um, and uh, you know we said, yeah, go for it. We uh, you know we can we can accommodate that, um, and so you know there there is uh, I think much much more willingness uh, now, and there are some organisations where that has already become the norm, uh, remote working, whether it's uh, here in New Zealand or or in other parts of the world. Um, uh, we're just going through the process now, actually, of um, you know looking at looking at new premises, and uh, you know one of the, one of the discussion points is uh, well, will there be a lot more on the market in uh, six months or, or twelve months? Uh, you know, do you hold out a little bit uh, uh, a little bit longer before making a, a long term commitment on that yeah. uh, on that front? And uh, yeah, how much uh, how much space do we uh, you know do do we need? Um, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been a, it's been an interesting one, um, and uh, yeah, of course, there's not too much that can uh, that can go on um, when it comes to to moving if you're needing you know new offices and bits and pieces sort of you know built in a new location for you. So uh, uh, yeah, um, now a couple of other things. We, there was um, yeah, LinkedIn um, had shared that they're they're allowing uh, employees to work, uh, you know, fully remote, and really completely removing that sort of in office expectation. I think we're going to, you know, keep hearing uh, the these these sorts of things, and I, I am curious how some of them will uh, will play out. Um, but you know, I imagine there's uh, there's different expectations from from different people uh, and you may have different teams where you know they very much need to meet in person and in, in some businesses but you know I can see for for LinkedIn which is a, an online product uh, we're streaming through uh, you know video onto onto LinkedIn right now amongst other uh, other platforms um, yeah how much is there that you would need to do uh, you would need to do in in person you know other than um, and I think I saw the, the comment there from uh, uh, Mary Haddock uh, Staniland uh, at uh, at Timely, um, you know, talking about what they do as as monthly regional office office uh, gatherings, right? So yeah. you know, there there are mechanisms to uh, to address, um, you know, I guess the the 
the flip side of uh, of working remotely. So um, now, yeah, there are a couple of other bits of bits and pieces of uh, news. We'll we'll just co- cover off very uh, very quickly. Um, we hear about, I mean, so many different online scams, and uh, you know the uh, the actual financial uh, impact that uh, that those uh, those things have. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, one of one of those uh, issues is these romance scams. Uh, oh, yes. Seems Tinder think that they have uh, uh, maybe found a little bit of a solution for uh, some of the issues that happen on uh, on their platform, at least. Um, and so, what uh, what they're introducing is a um, ID verification uh, service. And so, what that's going to do, I guess, is you know, to use the the, the camera uh, the camera in your phone. So uh, you know, you've got that uh, front facing uh, camera, um, and then it confirms that the person that's live in front of the camera. Um, you know, mat- matches up to using using AI um, to the photos that have been uh, uploaded to uh, to your profile. Seems to make some sense to me. Yeah, this whole um, data identity and you know confirming you are who you say you are is is a big field, and it's going to be something really important. And uh, look, I'm no expert on Tinder. I'd just like to put that out there. <laughs> but your you wife, know, you have to hear that. Yeah, having read a little bit around those sorts of things, you know, knowing who the person is that's uh, on the other end is is critically important. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I think I remember actually. Uh, I think it was uh, Microsoft worked with uh, with Uber some years ago for a similar type of capability, so that the the driver, you know, they could prove that the driver was. Um, you know the actual person that was registered. I imagine yep. there was a window of time uh, there, whereby you know someone would register, and then their profile and account might have gone with a car, and yep. then different people would would maybe drive that car. Certainly in some markets, and so that sort of um, you know approach uh, would be uh, um, yeah very helpful in that uh, in that situation. Yep. Um. The the other um, bit of news that uh, that caught my attention, and of course, there's there's always you know, loads of tech news stories every every day. Um, there were there actually there were a couple around um, security vulnerabilities. Uh, one was um, a report that uh, millions of uh, Cameras, I guess you know, new cameras that we we weren't aware of in the past are uh, being vulnerable, um, including baby monitors um, and other you know cameras online. Um, what do we got here? The um, yeah report mentioned eighty three million devices um, made by a, a mix of um, brands um, linked back to an IoT vendor called um, ThruTech. So Xiaomi, uh, one of those brands, um, camera vendor called called Wise, um, you know, a whole range of people using these uh, these cameras, and you kind of think, well, you know, should be uh, something that you don't have to think about when you buy a baby monitor, but um, you know, in actuality, any yeah. bit of technology that you you buy uh, potentially carries some risk from a a cybersecurity perspective, and and that's why it's actually pretty important to not just 
you know, pick the shiny thing on the shelf or the thing that you see online at the at the lowest price. But uh, you know, give a bit of consideration um, to uh, to who the vendor is, whether they're regularly releasing um, you know updates to uh, to their technology, and I th- I think there's a degree to which you have to weigh in the um, you know the market they're coming from and 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 varying other. Uh, considerations in terms of well, how much you know trust should I should I have? But that's it's getting harder and harder, isn't it? Yeah, and you should. And I mean, there's a couple of things, isn't it? I think you're right. The firmware updates, I always accept firmware updates on the devices I've got because it's usually because it's got to fix something. Um, but you know, cameras and baby monitors. How many of us just plug them in, make them connect to Wi-Fi, and then forget them? Um, without changing, for example, the master password that it might have, uh, those sorts of things. I I change all mine um, only because, you know, I'm in the industry and and, and realise it's. I like to play with things, so I like to get in and find out what's going on. And changing the passwords is one of those things you should do. So um, it's a it's just something to learn and to do. So you know, as you said, piece of advice to people when you install one of these things, get into it and change the password. First thing, yeah, and and I, you know, I think these things, um, are, are, you know, probably all all come back to, you know, a, a general reminder that it's getting harder and harder to be a DIY sort of person with, you know, when it comes to tech, um, whether whether it's in your in your own home, um, or even more so within within business, and uh, you know, I know um, you know our our team at uh, at Gorilla and at the Gorilla Cybersecurity side of our business. Um, as we're out there doing doing audits on um, you know usually small to medium organisations, um, we are constantly shocked at uh, you know how wide open uh, things are on a on a security um, you know from a security perspective and. Uh, yeah. You know, I guess that's sort of reflective that we have so many sort of small businesses. You get you get your business started, you buy a few bits and pieces, you cobble it together, um, and um, you know, uh, you don't usually think that oh, we need some uh, some help on a cybersecurity yeah. uh, yeah. front in the in the same way you might need access to some other professional yeah, yeah. Um, expertise. But you know that uh, that world has has changed. So yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, it's been uh, great to catch up, uh, Craig. Thank you so much for uh, for joining the New Zealand Tech Podcast today. Um, now, where do people uh, track track you down, and uh, how do they join up to uh, to Two Ands if they're, they're interested in getting yeah. plugged in? Yeah, yeah. Well, simply uh, twoands.org.nz is the website. It's uh, it's pretty simple and straightforward. I mean, there's a whole lot of resources on there for working from home, for example, which I was just updating yesterday to make sure you know it was. It was ready for today. Uh, sorry for for this lockdown. There's a join me button at the top, um, but I'm on. I'm not that great on Twitter these days. I've sort of moved off Twitter, but it's two and CEO. But we're on LinkedIn. Craig Young on LinkedIn. Two answers on there. As is our future leaders program, Flint. Same with Facebook. Um, those are the places you can find us. Um, and uh, hopefully, uh, if you do, if you do find us and connect with us, you find there's uh, some interesting information there, and, and hopefully. Um, you know, we like to do these sorts of things as well, Paul, talk to people about what's going on and what's coming down. But it's been a real joy and pleasure to be with you again, actually. It's been a little while since first has, online, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it has been. Now, um, we're probably going to have to pick up uh, next week a little bit more around the uh, the new Samsung 
Um, phones haven't had too much chance to, to dive in there, um, but uh, those that are, like to be on the, 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 the cutting edge, um, I thought the in, interesting point, because the device doesn't look a million times different really from uh, the, the last generation of their Z Fold and, and Z Flip uh, devices, um, but these folding phones are, are sort of starting to get a bit more bit more accessible i think they're, they're probably hopefully getting a bit uh, a bit stronger and more robust with uh, with each generation um uh, but samsung have dropped the price point um across both models by 700 dollars a piece wow. so um you know it, it was the sort of three thousand dollar plus uh club if you wanted their uh, uh you know their large folding phone before so uh start starting to get slight slightly accessible uh but we'll <laughs> delve, delve a bit more into that in another episode um the other thing is um, social audio platform Clubhouse. Um, if you're wondering what to do in, in lockdown, um, come and join us there. We, we usually they've got a uh, in the NZ Club on Clubhouse. Uh, there's a room there every night, 8:30 p.m. New Zealand time. Um, Tuesday night is usually Tech Tuesday, um, but we tend to talk about you know tech. And I mean, this week we're going to be talking a lot about lockdowns and you know what are the opportunities what should we be doing as as new zealanders uh to uh you know to to move forward and um you know i guess to to look a, a, a little bit at uh you know the the positives that can come um you know during these uh these these times of lockdown so um feel free to uh to come and come and join us on clubhouse um and of course a thank you to our show partners uh vocus vodafone spark uh, Datacom, Palo Alto Networks, HP, uh, Gorilla Technology, and Umbrella Connect. So um, thanks, everyone, and um, thank you, Craig, and, uh, and to Ants for, uh, for your contribution today. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Paul. All right. Take care. Cheers. New Zealand's tech podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect.